At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Goodbye, IDFA. It's no secret that targeting the right consumers is getting harder and more expensive. We discuss the latest data around adoption rates and alternatives to identifiers with Privacy First, Omnichannel, Ad Platform, Verve Group. All this and more in episode number 444. Welcome to Mobile Presence, your destination for everything mobile. I'm your host as always, Peggy Ann Saltz, mobile analyst, tech consultant, senior Forbes writer, and founder of Mobile Groove. And hey, it happened. IDFA has dropped and Android changes are coming. It is a different world for publishers and advertisers. And we talk about the impact and the opportunities with my guest today, Yonat Chibataru, Chief product officer at Verve Group. And I wanna start off by asking you about your company because you're calling yourself a privacy first omni-channel ad platform offering programmatic solutions that connect advertisers and publishers to people in real time. It's a mouthful, but there's a lot of value there because you have also united a group of companies and technologies to make that fit. Tell me about that fit. Tell me about what Verve Group is now. First of all, thanks for having me, Peggy. And what we do, our tagline is privacy first on my channel ad platform is we try to connect the dots uh, between the advertiser and the user and, and make the, the whole connection more efficient. So we try to remove inefficiencies and, and try to remove hops, allowing the advertiser to reach the users they need in a more efficient manner, of course. Now, why privacy first? I've been in the industry for quite, quite a while, over a decade, and, and there have been many shifts from web to mobile, now connected TV. And I do think the, the privacy landscape, both regulatory and also platform, is one of the, the biggest challenges that our ecosystem has faced, but at the same time, it's one of our biggest opportunities. And we are doubling down on, on, on that opportunity. And, and as the privacy regulation expands across different channels, again, mobile, web, and connected TV, the omnichannel customer, customer journey becomes ever more so important, both for advertisers and, and, and 
publishers. So I joined the, the group to the acquisition of my, my startup, PubNative, which is a mobile SSP. And since then, we've been acquiring different building blocks to, let's say, bring this vision into reality. So we both managed a service business with the DMP attached to it, which was for wireless, where we have the name. We bought a DSP in Europe, which is Platform 161. We recently bought a contextual data solution called Beamray. Even more recently, we, we bought Smato. And at some point at the beginning of the year, we bought the CTV platform from Nextel Digital. So we're, we're let's say, staying true to, to our vision and connecting those dots by build and buy. We've also built a few of the products. It's not um, just about buying solutions. Uh, I want to stick with that idea, connecting the dots, because that's what you're doing. I want to shift the discussion to advertising and ATT, which stands for App Tracking Transparency. It's the change to Apple's privacy and data collection policy that requires mobile marketers to ask consent from others in order to track them. So opt-in rates are a mixed bag here. What are you seeing? So I, I like to differentiate between consent, which is a regulatory concept, meaning GDPR, CCPA, and opt-ins to your point, which are platform uh, specific, in this case, mm -hmm. ATT from Apple. So in terms of uh, opt-ins, we're seeing uh, almost 30% across the board on iOS. And that's with a caveat that more than 50% of, of the, the inventory we were seeing where the ATT hasn't been shown. Actually, if I would break this down, we're almost close to 60% to opt-in rate. So actually we're seeing a much uh, larger opt-in rate than even I expected. While at the same time, some publishers are still reluctant to show the ATT. That's one part. And the other part is that some users can never be shown the ATT as they already had limited ad tracking enabled from previous version 13 and, and, and before, which disabled, uh, disables the ATT altogether for those users. So you said it was surprising. Why is that? What's the difference between what you were expecting and what you were seeing? And what does that tell you? So I would say industry-wide expectations were at around 20% uh, opt-in rate from the, the prompts that were shown. And we're, we're well above that, at least in our exchange. And what does that tell us? It tells us that basically users understand better the value exchange. That's one part. Or the publishers are better at explaining the value exchange and allowing tracking per mm -hmm. Apple's definition, which means sharing this identifier for advertising across different different apps. I'm hearing some things out there. I'd just like to check this out with you, Yonet. I'm hearing that uh, some people are complaining. They're saying that Apple can ask for this in a nicer way than other publishers. The publishers are saying, do you want to be tracked? And Apple's, do you want the convenience of personalized advertising or something similar? It's a tough one. It's, it's just how Apple views, let's say, data sharing between two different parties, let's say an mm -hmm. advertiser and a publisher, and that's user data sharing. And they consider that tracking. That's their own definition for tracking. Now, when they are the third party, let's say there's Apple, publisher, an advertiser, and the user, they consider that as personalization. At least that's, mm -hmm. that's how they market it so far. And not only that, but... Uh, in iOS 15, they allow a much nicer screen with much more content and not the limited font size that's been shown in the ad transparency and the pop-up. So they are giving uh, themselves, uh, let's say, better better communication vehicles with the, with the users, plus the benefit of the doubt, calling it personalization 
versus, versus tracking. I think it's, well, it's, I don't know up to whom it is to answer the, the question. Is it personalization if it's Apple and is it tracking if it's somebody else? Yeah, it's a little bit of that, uh, that uh, red or blue pill from the matrix, right? Basically. Which yeah. you're going to take. Yeah. At the beginning of all this, the message to advertisers was just, okay, then I will take a look at Android. I will see if I can move budget there. I did see some budget move there initially. Again, you at the Verve Group, what are you seeing about not just the money moving into Android, but also the money generated, the eCPMs? What are you seeing? What can you share? Yeah, interesting findings there as well. So what we've seen is that no, the eCPMs for them, non-addressable, so basically the traffic that, that of the, from the users that didn't opt in decreased by 20% or so, we've actually seen a pickup on the addressable users. So actually advertisers started paying more for those users, which to me, it says that, well, they probably decreased their margins to increase their spend. So their ROAS is, is lower, but they still man managed to get their, their uh, KPIs in terms of budget spend and, um, and top line. At least that's, that's the theory based on what I'm, I'm seeing. I'm not seeing say, the overall revenues dip significantly uh, after the change. So performance advertisers, what are you advising them as Verve? As I see it, you have recorded what you're calling two types of buying trends among mobile first performance advertisers. There must be something there that we need to take more advantage of than we are currently as advertisers. Yeah, very interesting point. And indeed we've seen, uh, we've seen two categories. Um, the first category is the ones that started spending more on, on addressable in, in inventory, uh, keeping with the trends that we've seen before, uh, the majority, uh, and then spending less on, on opt-out inventory or when they, they don't know the, the user uh, and they should rely on a SCAD network. Uh, but that's just one part of the, the marketplace. What we've seen on the other side is actually advertisers up the stack, if I may say so, and started buying more aggressively also opt-out traffic, almost at the same level in terms of eCPMs, which means that they have a way of backing that out to performance and, and to ROAS. And from my understanding is that most of it's, it's in part based on the on probabilistic attribution, which is which is now a hot topic. Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? Apple is not, how do you say? Let's say condemning it or doesn't seem so, right? Mm -hmm. There's a difference between probabilistic and, and fingerprinting in terms of is it actually tracking the, the user or it's just assigning a, a probability to, to that? So I think that's up in the air, but from what we're seeing, some advertisers are leveraging those kind of tactics for the time being, while others are not. And, and I think they're missing out uh, a bit uh, for relying just on a, a scan network, as long as Apple is not um, so strict. Mm -hmm. So where are the addressable audiences? Are you seeing that marketers and advertisers are spending more on addressable traffic, should they be doing that? I think so. Those users uh, understand the, the value exchange. So they do want to be targeted with more personalized ads. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's a good um, trade-off or an accepted one. So I would say they should double down on that, but at the same time, explore the non-addressable users. Because in the end, for those users, they will still get ads and they still get ads less relevant ads, maybe less valuable ads, uh, but the amount of ads hasn't decreased. Mm -hmm. So what's the split you're recommending at Verve? Or is there no rule to follow here? 
I wouldn't say there's no rule, but I would say there's no generic rule. I would say depending mm -hmm. on the vertical, even the sub-vertical within, let's say, gaming or uh, maybe other types of, of, of apps like food delivery or entertainment, um, then those KPIs will, will change, meaning how much should you spend on addressable versus non-addressable and what, how the attribution, um, how the attribution looks like. So I would say, depending on your vertical, try to also find the type of inventory where you have either more opt-ins or, or less, depending on your, your target audiences, and then go from there, iterate. I would say to your initial point, test more, iterate, and based on those learnings, expand either on more addressable or not. So Yona, that was a very interesting state of the market snapshot. We understand the challenges. We understand that we need alternatives. And that's exactly what we're going to get to after the break. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Mobile Presence, sponsored by CleverTap, a leading engagement and retention platform, will be back after this message. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy to use site management tools and powerful do it your way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Welcome back to Mobile Presence on WMR.FM. Here is your host, Peggy and Saul. Welcome back to Mobile Presence. My guest today, Yonet Shibacharu. He is Chief Product Officer at Verve Group. And Yonet, before the break, we were talking about the challenges, right? It is what it is. Targeting the right customers is getting harder, more expensive, and we need alternatives. Now, the market is talking a lot about alternatives. You have one as well. So Adam, really cool acronym here stands for anonymized and on-device audience targeting is what it is here. What is it though in practice? In practice is a product we've been working on for, for over, more than a, a year now. And, and, and the way it works um, is basically an SDK that publishers need to integrate within their app. And, and what is this product does, it looks at signals from, from three main sources. The first source is the device itself. So the device has sensors, battery, dark mode or not, things along those lines, accelerometer and things along those lines. Then it looks at the app uh, itself. So what the, the user is actually opening or around with, could be a game, could be a weather app, 
within the type of, of app, takes information, metadata from the app itself. And then last but not least, also from the ads uh, that the user is seeing across the user session, actually across different user sessions uh, across time. And what it does with its signals or inputs is running them to a, to a machine learning model to output based on uh, our other data sets, output um, a segmented audience for with a, with a probability to be a female or a male or a specific age group or specific interest groups, let's say cars or beauty sports. And then that's, let's say, cohorted, meaning that once we reach a certain number of, of users in, in certain uh, segments, uh, then we can target it. So then we can offer that for targeting to advertisers to inform their buys on the non-addressable part of the iOS ecosystem. Now I understand what each of these sources brings. It brings another signal. It brings more layer, more nuance, more more value to what that user is doing in that moment. What can I actually achieve with this? What can I see? What can I, I guess the question is, how can I frame this so that I can get to that space of being more accurate, more relevant, more personal? First, it is self-learning. So actually based on how you use the device, the ads you interact and so on, uh, then it will learn about your preference more and more over a period of time, as long as you uh, use an app on the mm -hmm. same device. So how it will work, it will start personalizing it better for you. Yeah, For myself, for example, let's say I'm interested in bikes. I will see more bike ads. After I've seen and clicked one, it might not show me another one because it knows that I probably already bought one. So now it will show me an ad for mm -hmm. a new phone, probably now with the Apple event and things along those lines. So, so it evolves as the, let's say, the user journey evolves within, within apps. So I'm getting the signals from the phone. So I'm getting the interaction with the app. I have a more unified view of the user. I would say it's a, it's a more probabilistic view of the, the user. Mm -hmm. To your point, less uh, fragmented. You are able to personalize experiences. Right now, we personalize mostly ad experiences. So matching, for example, if we know a media plan that somebody, for example, a specific game is looking for males within a certain age, then we can offer those, those kind of segmentation. Yeah. So that's, that's how it would be used by an, by an advertiser. At the same time, at some point in the future, we do plan to offer it to publishers to, to personalize the experience of their users within the apps themselves as well. And part of that personalization experience is always the formats. You know, there are times when a certain format is going to fit. It might be a banner. It might be a video. Tell me about those formats. Have they changed? Are they now also more contextually relevant? Very good question. I think it was critical before, though it was also a bit easier to, to test and having identifier or creative A-B testing. I think now it becomes even more important. Actually, the combination between creative and on-device data can actually be a, a very powerful tool. But to your point, context and creative can be one of the most powerful tools available uh, at the moment in a, let's say, non-addressable, though I would also say addressable uh, environment. So to ask your initial question, yes, we've actually doubled down on the creative part. Our creative have always been relevant as they relate to the moment that the ad is being served. So um, let's say if you're um, waking up early or you're on a commute or you're uh, going to work or you're going to, um, for a night out, we've always been relevant, the moments and the context uh, there, but not 
just with simple banners, but we actually have expandable banners. We have some native units, some actually multimedia units as well that contain both video and display elements. And we've been expanding those. But I've also got to think about not just making certain that my ad fits that that moment, that context, but my ad also needs to be appreciative of the format I need to be showing. So I'm thinking about the context. I'm thinking about the creative. I'm thinking about that differently than before, because now we're in a world without identifiers. What does that present in the way of challenges or opportunities to marketers? So I think in terms of challenges, probably the, the biggest one is, is creative A-B testing for lower funnel events. So, so that's definitely a challenge, especially with the lack of identifiers and using Facebook as a, as a tester. So that's one of the challenges. Now, if you ask me about opportunities, I think you can couple on-device data and dynamic creatives. So actually using on-device data to change and adapt the creative and, and have a learning feedback loop on the device that improves the creative uh, and allows you to, to move the testing from, let's say, the cloud, let's say Facebook to on-device setup where you don't send just one creative, but maybe a few or a dynamic set of creatives that, that are then matched with on-device or context data to show increasingly more relevant, yeah, more relevant creatives. So I'm not just building the funnel in terms of a journey. I'm building the funnel also using the creatives to trigger or move or inspire the user from one to another. So as you said, lower funnel, it's going to be a real challenge to match the context and the creative. But going on, there are going to be combinations that say, this is going to get someone from mid-funnel to deeper funnel. And this is going to get someone from deeper funnel to deeper engagement. Um, can you share some of those combinations? Are there some best practices already in how to reach and target without identifiers, but with loads of creative inspiration? So maybe some, uh, some short example from our recent, our recent type of campaigns. Um, for example, let's say you have a uh, a beauty brand and you might want to show it in in the morning when everyone has their morning routines and we can show that in a weather app that you know that you check in the moment at that point and then based not only on the moment but let's say context let's say weather how the weather is the creative can uh, can change so you could have a different product depending on how the weather is right it could be a sunscreen screen or it could be another depending on the the day so that's just 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 one example what i'm hearing here is that we're not just targeting people because we can't but we are targeting context because we can is that the trade off here i, I think that's a very interesting point so i would add one more um, layer to look at outside of reach and targeting, I would add results, right? I think everything needs to be seen through a holistic uh, lens, uh, especially when you don't have identifiers. The only thing you have is the inputs and, and the outputs. And then what you do in the middle is optimization. So that could be through the creative, which I think it's a very important point. That could be through context, which is another important part. Uh, that could be also the combination of the, the two, or could be also a, a leveraging addressable inventory to take learnings back into the non-addressable world. So I think between your point reach and my point about results, there's, there's a land of opportunity that now needs to be explored and, and re-explored. So I have to ask the follow-up question, how do I prepare for this opportunity? What are some steps to say? As with any land of, of opportunity, there's new companies coming with ideas. Of course, there are old companies coming with ideas, but I think, I think any 
advertisers or publishers should be on the lookout for new solutions to tackle those those challenges. I would say that's where where startups thrive in in, in a challenging uh, environment where they offer solutions that were unthought of uh, before. Again, some we're building, some there are quite a few solutions out there uh, that are being built to to tackle. Uh, this and now is the time to test, right? Because now mm-hmm. we're back on the same uh, playing field or level playing field. So now is the time to restart learning or start relearning. Update me on Adam. Where are you on that? So we have a couple of publishers live right now and a couple of advertisers testing. Hopefully going to release a case that very soon. I would say the results look promising, quite promising, sometimes a bit too promising. So that's why I'm, I'm waiting for a bit more data before we, we publish those. But it's a double digit improvement over non-addressable in terms of performance. So Yonit, before I let you go, what do you see as being the toolbox now of an advertiser in an identity-constrained identifier-less world. What does that look like? Because you can't go to one company. You have to piece some different solutions together. You need to piece some different solutions together, and you also need to to bring some of the the parts uh, in-house, I would say. So I would start from the creative side. Again, decision if it needs to be in-house or you can use a a tool or another company. Then I would also look at programmatic partners in terms of DSPs, self-serves, managed, and what kind of data they they make available and what kind of the learnings they make available. Then I would also look at maybe end-to-end solutions, just Liftop and Vangal combination, like us, like Aplovin, again, based on the data they, they share. And then I would look yeah, on, the, at the, on the supply side, optimizing um, and improving placements to allow maybe better creatives and then learning as much as you can about the users. I think from a publisher's perspective, they let that be managed mostly by ad network. And I think now is the time to learn about the users, their preferences and adapt the advertising experience based on, on that. So looking at the solutions, SDKs that are, uh, allowing from uh, from that. Perfect. That is an interesting blueprint. And I have to have you back when you have that case study. In the meantime, until we get to that point, what's the best way to stay in touch and up to date with you, Yonot? And also to the Verve group, because of course, these case studies are going to make for very interesting and informative reading when they are ready for prime time. Absolutely. The easiest way to found, find us is verve.com. And myself, I am at ic at verve.com. Perfect. And we'll have those in the show notes as well. Thanks again for sharing. Thanks for bringing the amazing data that we will also be sharing in social. And of course, if you want to keep up with me throughout the week, find out how you can be a guest or sponsor on Mobile Presence, then you can email me, Peggy. Peggy at mobilegroove.com is also where you can find my portfolio of content marketing and app marketing services. You can check out this and all earlier episodes of our show by going to wmr.fm, or you can find our shows on Amazon, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, and many other platforms simply by searching mobile presence. So until next time, remember every minute is mobile. So make every minute count, keep well, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.